Section 1 of The Rainbow Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Velma Karras. The Rainbow Book by Mabel Henrietta Spielman. Adventures in Wizardland. Chapter 1. A Knock at the Red Door. It's a shame, Dulcie. We mayn't go out just because it's raining a few drops," said the boy at the nursery window. "'Yes, a fearful shame,' replied his sister. She always sympathized with him and gave in to him, right or wrong. She carefully propped her doll bolt upright on a chair and came to where he stood. "'Never mind, Cyril. Let's play at something.' "'Yes, but I do mind. It's too bad.' It's always, you mustn't this, you mustn't that. It would be a saving of breath if they'd just say the few things that we might do. Are you willing to go on putting up with it? I suppose you are, as you're only a girl. No, I don't want to, but I've got to. Mother says it is for our good, and we are spoilt. I don't think so at all. It's very hard lines, growled Cyril. I'm sure the garden isn't a bit wet, and the rocks have only a sprinkle. Certainly the window panes had more than a sprinkle trickling down them. But the birds were twittering fussily in the bushes and amongst the ivy, and the garden was looking its best in the summer shower. Fitful gleams of sunshine cast loving touches here and there on the roses and the sweet honeysuckle. And the tall white lilies never looked fresher or smarter. Beyond were those tempting rocks, with their surroundings of sand, which rose so strangely in that part of inland Kent, telling of former ages and of the vagaries of the sea and river. The rocks were the happy playground of these lucky twins, who lived in the fine solitary house close by, and who were now peering so disconsolately through the window, flattening their noses against the glass blurred with the pattering rain. They were exactly the same height. They resembled one another in feature, and, being twins, were both nine years old. And there the likeness ended, for his dark hair was short and thick, and hers was fair and very long. She was timid and gentle, though her bright face was very happy. He, what is termed, a handful. "'I know!' exclaimed Dulcie after a moment's silence drawing her brother away from the melancholy amusement of tracing down the trailing drops with his finger until they disappeared mysteriously at the bottom of the glass. "'I know. Let's play birds, beasts, and fishes.' Cyril cast a lingering look at the tiresome dark clouds, then, with a sigh and a frown, turned round in token of consent, graciously suffered himself to be settled at the table with paper and pencil, and was soon excitedly trying to guess what Dulcie's bird could be that began with the letter C, had four between, and ended with an E. "'It's very easy, really,' pleaded Dulcie, burning to tell. "'Do you give it up?' Cyril wasn't so easily beaten as that, and thought till he grew impatient. "'Shall I tell you? Let me tell you!' urged his sister. 
If you like, he replied magnanimously. Canary! I'm sure it's spelt with a Y, he said, as if he weren't quite certain in spite of his words. They argued who should score the mark and settled the point by counting it a draw. She followed it up with a fish, which was S, two between, and an L, which puzzled Cyril, until he found, of course, that it was soul. Believing he had lost again, he allowed his interest in the game to flag, and, still restless, he ran to the window. "'Hooray! It's fine now!' he cried. "'Come along! We don't want hats!' "'Ought we to go, do you think, Cyril, without asking?' "'I'm not going to ask. Not if I know it. We would be sure to be don'ted. I'm going out. It's so stuffy here. You can do as you like.' "'If you go, I shall go, too,' she replied quickly, following him and taking his hand. He didn't quite like that, but he felt, as she was only a woman, he would let her. Away they ran lightly, out into the sunshine, happy to be in the warm, scented air, through the garden, off to the dear old rocks, which were already drying nicely, and at once a fine game of hide-and-seek was in full swing. Dulcie had gone again to hide, and Cyril had his face buried in his hands, waiting for the familiar cuckoo when he was startled instead by a faint cry of surprise, followed by, Cyril, come quick, quick! It must be a beetle or a toad or something, he said to himself as he hurried to the spot from which her voice seemed to come. But it was only after she had repeated her excited cries that he found her at last. She found a passage through the rocks which they had never noticed before. "'Come along!' cried Cyril joyously at the sight of it. "'Come along! We'll go on a voyage of discovery!' Down the passage they went, far and carefully, for there was only a glimmer of light and a thin streak peeping through, because the rocks all but joined at the top, and the ground was uneven and slippery. But in spite of their caution, they got a sudden start— for they became aware of a silent brook flowing deep and swiftly by at their feet. Another step, and they would have been in it. The twins, rather startled, looked at one another, and then, without further thought, they just jumped across, jumped into an open space, into moonlight. There was actually a full moon overhead, but with such seams and lines about it that it bore the appearance of being pieced together like a geographical puzzle. "'Cyril, look there!' whispered Dulcie, pressing close up to him as soon as she found words. In the white light there stood an immense rock. In it there was a wooden door with hewn-out steps leading up to it. A nice red door it was, with a green knocker upon it in the shape of a mouth, smiling a welcome. Of course they went up to it, climbed the steps, which were high and difficult, and stared at the neatly engraved brass plate below it, which bore the words, 
knock if an answer is required. If not, why? I'm going to knock, said Cyril. Oh, no, we don't want any answer, said Dulcie. So why do it? A backward glance at the steps puzzled her, for they had grown steeper than before and impossible to climb down again, or up, for the matter of that, and the door before which they stood was now at such a height from the ground as to make her feel giddy to look below. She hardly had time to think about it when Cyril raised the knocker and let it go. Instead of the usual sound a knocker makes, a loud laugh rang out, discordant and disconcerting. "'You needn't be frightened,' he remarked, for his little sister hung back and tightened her grasp of his arm. The next moment the door swung open, and there stood on the threshold a very tall man with an enormous bald head. He was clad in a yellow satin dressing-gown, and wore great smoke-colored spectacles. "'So, you've come to see the wizard,' he said blandly. "'Pray walk in!' "'I—I I think we'd—we'd we'd rather not. Thank you very much,' stammered Cyril, very red, whilst Dulcie looked up, pale and wondering. "'We're not dressed for visiting.' she urged in a loud whisper in her brother's ear. "'But you require an answer, or why knock?' retorted the strange man. "'Pray, walk in,' he repeated. He was so polite. The door swung behind them, and the trembling twins found themselves alone with the wizard in a very large cave where the walls glowed with phosphorescent light, while the further end was hidden in deep gloom. End of section one.